Hey folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Your host today, Mishka Katkov, and we are going to talk about China. The guests are, as always, awesome. We got Daniel Ahmad from Nico Partners. Daniel is not arguably, probably for a fact, one of the most knowledgeable people to talk about the Chinese and the Asian gaming market. Then we have Yang Lu, CEO of Endgame Interactive. And finally, uh, the last, but definitely not the least, never the least, Eric Kress, co-host of this podcast and principal at Gossamer Consulting. What we're going to cover today is, well, a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about why Chinese games are succeeding in the West when others when other smash hits from Korea and Japan couldn't make it. We talk about why most Western hits haven't become big in China. We talk about how can Western companies compete against the Chinese hits in their home markets. Uh, we talk about what policies can be made to even out the competition. Of course, we are going to discuss what the market is going to look like in three to five years, whether it's going to be more Chinese games in the West or less, and whether we will see more Western hits in the Chinese market. So, very interesting episode. It's going to have a little bit of a slow start, but we're going to have we're going to pick up the pace towards the end. So, hope you guys enjoy this and as always, Deconstructor of Fun Slack group is where the conversation happens around these topics. So, if you're not part of that Slack group, I suggest you apply to be one. Um, bit of a selective, but, you know, I suggest you apply. So, without further ado, amazing sponsors of this podcast and the conversation itself. We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad, ad products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands, having a kind of an all-in-one platform. You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the Incrementality Solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's Incrementality Solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsflyers.com. Welcome, everybody. We got three amazing guests, as presented already in the introduction section. So we got Eric, uh, the uh, the regular uh, 
we got Yang Lu for the first time, CEO of Endgame Interactive and my buddy in World of Warships. Uh, always got my back. Thank you, Yang. And, nerd alert. Yeah, nerd alert. No, World of Warships, come at me. Anyway, and then we got, we, the got the, uh, we, we got the true expert on Chinese market, Mr. Daniel Ahmed from Nico Partners. So welcome, welcome, Daniel. Uh, really great to have you. Thanks so, for having me on. So let's just jump right on to it. And we actually had a technical malfunction, so we're restarting this episode. Anyway, so let's just rump, jump right into it. And the first question that I have for you guys is why Chinese games are succeeding in the West when other smash hits from Korea, like Lineage, and from Japan, like Puzzles and Dragons, Monster Strike, could not make it in the West. So Eric, I'll let you hit it off. All right, well, let's build some context here because uh, I've done a lot of analysis on this from, um, from mobile perspective, so Sensor Tower um, in particular. So what we see is that basically we are seeing about 16% of the revenue in the West is being driven by Chinese developers, 4% uh, from Japan and 3% for South Korea, and 75% basically from Western publishers. So you know, very, 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 very little revenue coming out of Japan and South Korea, but we're seeing the trend is that China developers are growing share in the West um, over the past three or four years from like basically 3% all the way up to 16%. Um, so that's, and it's been primarily driven by games from, you know, IGG, Lords Mobile, Lilith, Rise of Kingdoms, Fun Plus, Elix, Firecraft, um, and, and, and a few others, but and and I and I would say that the, the the fundamental reason is that these guys are actually making games for the West, right? These games do do some of them do well in other parts, like in China, but for the most part, they're building games for Western markets. Um, um, on the flip side, you know, Japan and Korea, with the exception of like Bandai Namco with Dragon Ball, Nintendo, and Square Enix, I think they are primarily building games for themselves uh, or for their own countries. And uh, that's, you know, that's the kind of trend we've seen for all along. And, and that's part of the reason why I've never really spent a lot of time or attention on these names because they, it, it isn't all that relevant for, um, for our markets. But um, I'd be really interested in see what Daniel has to say about this because uh, I know Nico does a lot of work in Asia um, and particularly in China. So what do you got, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what he said um, earlier about how Chinese developers are essentially building games uh, for the West, but I think to understand how they got to that point, you have to look at the Chinese games market over the past 20 years and how they have been essentially always in a uh, free-to-play market, trying to reach the broadest amount of users, building a, a core user base uh, in China and creating core games, both for um, initially PC in the early days, but now for mobile players as well, uh, one of the big trends in China right now over the past few years has been adapting PC games to mobile games. And so I think one of the differences between the West and uh, China, not to stereotype too much, but you know, mobile is seen very much as a, as a core gaming platform in China and Asia. Um, and the West, that's getting there, but you know, maybe give it a few more years. I think Fortnite has certainly shown that it's possible um, and Call of Duty Mobile, which is actually a 10 cent developer game too. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's two parts of this. There's the first part, which is that, you know, Chinese developers have been investing in uh, internal development capabilities to build uh, new games for the core mobile games market. 
both in China and, and overseas. But the second part is that they had been um, sort of forced to in a way because of the regulatory environment that's in China right now, where getting a game approved, uh, even for a Chinese publisher or developer, can take months, you know, three, six, nine months, maybe 12 in some cases. And because of that, uh, they are now looking at the overseas games markets to launch games there first, test them first, uh, maybe find success there. And they've actually been able to do that uh, with a ton of games, uh, both in Japan and Korea and Southeast Asia, but also in the West too. I think you can look at a company like, uh, you know, maybe one of the larger developers like Tencent and how they've tackled the West. And it's not just that they have uh, put their own games um, overseas or, to, or sort of published their own games overseas. It's that they utilize their internal expertise and mobile game development to work with partners such as Activision or PUBG Corp. And they've approached these developers and said, well, look, we have the expertise in being able to develop competent mobile games, competent shooter games. Let's work together. Let's utilize your IP and our development expertise to create a game that is going to succeed in the global games market. And at the same time, they get the benefit of being able to uh, enter China too. So I think there's, there's certainly a lot of uh, reasons as to why China is succeeding in the West. And uh, I mean, Yang, what do you think from on this topic? Yeah, no, I agree with what Eric and uh, Daniel said. Um, you know, China is kind of making games for the Western market, uh, whereas Korea and Japan are doing it for theirs. So things like Monster Strike, uh, the plethora of gacha games. I think just since the beginning, China has been doing that. Um, and you can look at games like Travian. You know, I think most of the games that Eric mentioned are basically 4X games. Right, so Rise of Kingdoms, uh, Clash of Kings by Elix and, and whatnot, and Guns of Glory. These are all 4X games. And these are actually already popularized in, in, in the Western markets years before China started entering uh, the Western, well, the Western market uh, through, through their entries. So, um, you know, back from Sid Meier's Civilization to, um, you know, Travian itself, or even things like Boom Beach. And that's what kind of China has been focused on. So in terms of the question, you know, why are they succeeding? They're simply making uh, these games for, for this market. And obviously now, like, like Daniel said, we're, they're, they're going forward with like, things like COD and PUBG, uh, which again are proven um, genres uh, in the West and, and just capturing that by putting it on a different platform since PUBG you know, wasn't on mobile, COD wasn't on mobile, and it's kind of the same formula uh, almost. So. That's my quick take on that. Uh, can I ask a couple of questions? So, well, I can ask a couple of questions. <laughs> That's the whole idea <laughs> with this. Anyway, so there's three things that that we've been hearing a lot from, from the Chinese market, usually when, when interacting with people from China. Uh, number one is the regulation to publish, like Daniel mentioned. So one question is, how long has this regulation or this sort of a created obstacle to publish been there? The second one is even years and years back, like 10 years back, there was ton of different app stores in China. And that was the type the sort of a thing then that in, in the conversations made the market feel very difficult to enter because there's, you just kind of have to choose which publisher you're working with and they have their own app stores and so forth. And the third element uh, that, that sort of a, maybe, yeah, maybe was like Western developers were saying, but also Chinese were saying at the same time is that they said they know how to make excellent meta games but they're not good at making 
core games it's like they were saying like western developers like supercell and others are excellent at, at creating this sort of a unique core fun playable core but that's not the strength of these companies and they're more of a, of a strong meta developers so what's your take on this so regulation to publish how long has that been is that really the, the thing that has affected lately or has it been there for for a decade and then is is chinese market really that difficult to publish in and and is it true that the Chinese companies are not that great at core? Because when you look at the latest games, they're actually pretty good at, at making solid core games. In terms of regulation, I mean, China uh, has always regulated the games market and the entertainment industry as a whole, you know, going back 20, almost 30 years now. And that's always been there at some point in terms of content regulation. What's changed over the past few years is um, one that's been a new regulator that's been kind of introduced to the market and they've taken a, a more strict approach when it comes to approving games. So it used to be that on PC, on mobile even, you could publish games without approval but now you have to go through a process where you submit all the contents of the game, you you know put in uh, demo images, all, all the words in the game, uh, the regulator goes through that and they decide whether that is a you know, acceptable game for the Chinese game market or if they need to make changes. So that can take, in some cases, six to 12 months um, and even longer for uh, a overseas developer, so a Western developer, uh, which does mean that, you know, getting into China is actually very difficult, not just for Western developers, but for Chinese companies themselves. And that is one of the reasons as, as to you know, why they've gone overseas um, to start testing games there to start putting games out um, earlier. In terms of publishing, yes, China had about 200 app stores 10 years ago. There's been a lot of consolidation recently, but um, that, that, that's mostly come from, you know, hardware manufacturers. So Xiaomi or Huawei will put their app store on, the, on their own phones. And then you have like Tencent and Alibaba who will have their own app stores that have done quite well because they have that scale to reach a lot of users. And in general, one of the trends that we're seeing right now is because those app stores have been able to dominate the market in such a way recently, they have um, essentially monopolized the app store marketplace on Android to the point where they're now charging a 50% take rate compared to 30% for Apple and Google in the West. And what that means is a lot of developers or publishers in China have to either have to go through um, the app store or um, and pay 50% or try and find a different direct distribution um, method, which is what, they, what, what they've what actually been doing. So if you look at Genshin Impact and Rise of Kingdoms, the two games that came out recently in, in China, uh, they do not list on the Huawei App Store or the Xiaomi App Store. They actually list directly on their website, which is something really rare in the West. But in China, it's now becoming quite common to directly distribute your game and build up a, a core following of users through various platforms, social media platforms, and get them directly to your website to download the game instead of going through an app store. Your gross margin goes from 50% to 90, 95% because you're only processing the payments on your end. And, you know, it's much better. In terms of core games, I think definitely, you know, Chinese developers have moved on to creating games that are fairly core in nature. I think if, if you look at the big trend, which is, PC to mobile game adaptations in the past, League of Legends was huge on mobile and what did Tencent do? They created Honor of Kings for, uh, sorry, League of Legends was huge on PC and 
Tencent created Honor of Kings for, for mobile. Again, you can look at PUBG, you can look at COD, you can look at Crossfire, all those games, they've essentially been these really core, experience, uh, core experiences on PC and putting them on mobile, tailoring it to mobile players, um, allowing them to participate in the feedback and, and the growth of the game. And now these are becoming you know, global hits in the market. Yeah, to totally, totally understand that. That's yeah, okay. So, so let's let's switch it through the other way, other way around, and and talk about why. Well, this is probably easier. Why the Western games are not succeeding then in China, not now, and not really before either. So, um, Yang, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, I think. I think. Well, as, as four of us here, besides maybe Daniel, we don't know much about the Chinese market in the first place. And, and Eric asked earlier, uh, we, I had never met Eric, so Eric was wondering who I am. Uh, I was invited because I'm the token uh, Chinese guy here. He just needed somebody for validation. <laughs> just to, um, Absolutely. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, but going off of what, kind of continuing off of what Daniel just said about the previous question, it's like publishing China is super difficult even for uh, you know people in China. So they were kind of forced to go out you know and explore Western markets because it's easier to test and iterate, right? And unlike you know the, the growth of China from the 2000s, well 2000 to now has been basically exponential, right? And so the risks were also really high for someone to pursue um, you know a game studio uh, during that time, and and they couldn't you know they couldn't risk basically all these restrictions uh, publishing in, in, in their own country domestically. So they had to explore kind of Western opportunities. And that's why they kind of molded themselves to, to fit, you know, Western games through these Forex kind of games. And then, so on, on the opposite side, uh, Western hits haven't become popular in China because um, we also, we, the Western, the West haven't been making games for, for China, right? But I would argue to say that like a lot of games have been popular, right? Like StarCraft or or or, or Warcraft, in yeah. fact. League. And that's because they were the yeah, exactly. And they're the only ones that are that that were really quality, right? Because the US had the infrastructure, had the basically the economics, right, to to pursue this level of quality and scaling teams here to produce, you know, these these live games. And obviously, you know, China took them on and and, and learn. And now we see this kind of inverse where uh, the cross-learning is going the other way or the cross-learning is still, sorry, the cross-learning is still China trying to learn more about the West and still not the opposite way, right? It's like, we're not really learning uh, as part of the West what China needs and what China wants. And that's reflected in other things such as, well, TikTok, right? Like we see the struggles of Facebook and Snapchat or whatnot entering China and that's a lot due to government restrictions, but still, even without those, I think tech companies these days would still have a hard time trying to learn what, what, what Chinese audiences want. Um, yeah. Mm. Eric, what, what do you think? I'm, I'm letting Daniel to be the last one since he, he's kind of, he will, he will show the cards. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, I think just China is just an impenetrable market just in general. Um, for the West and every every attempt, even even for our uh, when I was at Kabam when we did contest of champions, we tried to localize it in China and it was a disaster, absolute freaking train wreck. The only success I've ever seen, honestly, is uh, Plants vs Zombies from EA 
localizing that game that did quite reasonably well, but still, it's still tiny, right? So, um, so if the question is why, I mean, I think they've already kind of mentioned it, right? Yeah. It's that the Chinese dominate the market, they control distribution, the government is, is, is ridiculously unfair to Western publishers. And, uh, and I, I think, I don't know, I, this is the one part, Daniel, that I've always said, and I don't really know if it's true anymore. Is it still kind of a not invented here thing, kind of like Japan and Korea, where if, if it's not made in China, then Chinese people don't want to play it. Is that kind of still somewhat true? Or is that just um, my old view? I don't think it's as true today as it was maybe a few years back. I think there have been examples we can point to of Japanese games, for example, doing quite well. Um, and even you know a few Western titles, but in general, yes, Chinese players do prefer Chinese games. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, I think if, if you have the right kind of localization and culturalization plan uh, and the game is, you know, the IP maybe is popular, you can succeed, but of course, you know, it's uh, still very difficult. Yeah, so, so what do you think, Daniel, about what uh, kind of League of Legends is an example and and legal uh, riot basically investing a lot of a lot of resources to grow that and, and cater to the uh, the audience is is the case that that western publishers haven't just invested enough when the time was was right i mean it's been a while since league penetrated china but but is that the case or is it just now too late no matter how much you invest so i think there, there are still parts to success in china i think what's interesting is that if you go back 10 years ago or five years ago you know, when PC was really dominant, almost half of game revenues on PC were of non-Chinese developers. So it, it wasn't that no Western developers were doing well. It's more that now that we're in sort of a mobile growth stage, that they haven't replicated the same amount of success that they did during, I guess, the PC era. And one of the reasons behind that is, of course, going to be regulations. So getting into China in the first place is going to always be very difficult. There's only been 55 um, import games approved this entire year, which is, you know, extremely low compared to the more than 1,000 that have been, uh, yeah, it, it used to be that you'd be able to get more in, um, but this year specifically has been very uh, low compared to prior years. So I mean, you have like a, a thousand uh, Chinese games that are getting approvals, but only 55 domestic, uh, sorry, 55 import games. So yeah, it's, it's a, just getting in in the first place is, is very difficult, but once you do, and, and once you have the right plan to get in, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a lot easier. Certainly on, on PC, I would say, if you go via Steam, which is still unblocked uh, for some reason, no one knows why, um, you can just publish a game on Steam and, and build up a uh, audience through key, influ key influencers, key opinion leaders in China, streamers, for example, um, on... Wait, hold on, stop, stop a second. So d d Steam is not getting, nothing's getting approved or unapproved on Steam, right? It's just totally illegal and like, right? That's not part of the process of getting approved or is it? No, it's not. I mean, it will be soon, uh, maybe. But so right now, Steam, Epic, GOG, if you're in China, you don't need a VPN. You can access those platforms. You can access any game, whether it is, um, whether it is technically banned or unbanned. Um, there's nothing stopping people from 
going to Steam and just downloading. How, you know, how is that a thing? I mean, they've locked this shit down. Why are they um, allowing? I mean, you're the expert. Tell me what's going on with that. I keep, everyone keeps telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, well, let's, you know, go on Steam. You can kill it in China. I'm like, well, how is that even a thing? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Apple, for example, they cracked down this year and they, um, they removed 50,000 apps from the App Store just this right. year alone because they did not have licenses. Mm -hmm. uh, but on Steam, it, it's fine for now. No, again, no one knows why, um, but there is going to be a, a China-specific version of Steam in the future, which is being developed by uh, Perfect World and Valve. And so when that comes into the market, it's up in the air as to what happens with the international version of Steam. Uh, theoretically, there could be a loss in revenue okay. for All right, developers. Daniel, can I, can I put my cynical and, and somewhat negative view on this? When you yeah, say that only 55 games have been approved versus thousand, over a thousand for Chinese developers, that is not a market, right? That is that that's not that's not an opportunity. That that actually is the opposite of an opportunity, right? Because you can't spend a lot of time localizing and building a Chinese version if there's only like a one in one thousand chance of you actually getting in the market. That's insane, right? So is it, I mean. Is it really that se severe of, a, of a, a disadvantage to bring games from the West in China at this point? I mean, this is like, just this is, we're talking about like the last month, right? We're not talking, you know, like it's not getting better, it's getting worse, right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to get into China. I don't, I don't think anyone will, will disagree there, but with the right strategies, it is, it is possible. It's just about, again, if, if you're a very small developer and you don't really have enough resources, Putting your game on Steam, best thing you can do. Distributing the APK directly, best thing you can do. Um, if you're larger or you have the resources, then there are ways to get into China. Again, you have to partner with a Chinese company. That's just the rules. Um, but working with the right one, especially on games that, uh, that Chinese audiences uh, love or want to play, um, are going to be successful. But also there's another strategy where just licensing an IP to a Chinese developer. Um, if you look at, for example, some of the popular games in the top 10 right now. So um, there's a Three Kingdoms game, which is essentially uh, Koei Tecmo's Dynasty Warriors Three Kingdoms IP, but licensed to Alibaba, and they have created a mobile-specific version of the game. And that's completely uh, changed Koei Tecmo's sort of um, sales figures over the past year in terms of mobile games revenue now making up a uh, fairly sizable amount of their revenue when before they had absolutely nothing. And that's all come from working to get into the Chinese games market. So yeah, it, it is very difficult. It's not easy. You need to really study the markets, buy our reports, et cetera. Uh, once you do that, you will understand sort of, you know, how to get into the market and what the chances well, okay, so, so, of success. Right. So that's exactly what I've been saying to people that are asking me about this is that the only reason, the only way you're going to be competitive in China is if you do one of two things. One, you partner with a publisher, most likely Tencent or NetEase, right? Um, or you license your content to a, a, a Chinese developer, which is a completely different strategy, by the way, than building a game for China, right? I mean, that's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and it's also the shit, terrible model, like in general, like, I mean, I guess it's, pure cash, but you're, you're not getting the lion's share of that revenue if you're licensing out or partnering for that matter. I mean, 
what is on a, on a publishing relationship with Tencent? What is it like 60, 40, 70, 30, you know, 10, uh, 10 cent, something like that? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're probably on close 70, maybe around 15 to 25%. On a publishing deal, you only get 15 to 25%? On, on close 70. Jesus Not Christ. Okay. And then, and that's then, a robbery. <laughs> that, yeah, that's fucking highway robbery, dude. Like, I mean, <laughs> In some ways, like it's not even worth doing. In some, in some sense, I think uh, here, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get all triggered on this. This is just—it's so frustrating to hear this kind of thing. So, I, I do. Here's what I think. I think if you really want your your content to be um, worldwide and and to put your license in China, like something like Call of Duty or something. Uh, then, then that would make sense if you want to expand your the, the appeal of your license, right? But in terms of actually making money from this, it seems like it's you know it's 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 going to be a challenge, right? Well, it's going to be a challenge. I, I to, if I could chime in, like, but is that any different from what we're seeing in the West? So I think the biggest example is like, so your concern is the gross revenue, right? Which is, I think, I think yeah, 20 percent sounds about right. But for example, let's say Call of Duty Mobile. Uh, Tencent did lion's share of work, right, for that. But let's let's talk about like what's out there in the Western market right now. The most recent being Fall Guys. I would think that Fall Guys is like what twenty to thirty percent, if not less, of, of of gross revenue. And their publisher, what did I guess what did Devolver add to the to the value, right? And and this is just outside of China, where Mediatonic, the the creators of the Fall Guys, is probably getting less than twenty percent at the end of the day of gross revenue. So how does that compare to entering uh, a whole know. market, right? I, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I don't know the specifics on that deal. I can't imagine a publisher would take that much money from a developer. <laughs> uh, well, Daniel- Would oh, you know, know that to be I, true? I, I believe that these publisher deals are around like 50-50 right off the bat, just for these kind of deals. Uh, Mishka, do you know, or, or Daniel, I'm not. Well, I mean, sorry, that, that's the fall guys. Sorry, I don't know anything specific on that, but that's a mistake, right? They should be going direct. I don't know why they even need a publisher for something like that, but, but whatever that's, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know anything specific about that, but <laughs> they should have gone direct from the get-go. I would have never have suggested buying, doing a publisher for a game like that that's on Steam, right? And I mean, why would they need a publisher? Right, exactly. I mean, that's the inefficiency of the, the games industry. Right. Yeah, but, well, well, see, but, but that's that's why publishing is a dead business, right? No one publishes anymore, right? Even on mobile, mobile publishing is gone, right? And, and anybody that attempts to do it like freaking Unity are out of their goddamn minds, right? Because there's no, there's not the model doesn't work anymore. But anyway, sorry, I hear what you're saying though. The model is kind of <laughs> shitty just in general for publishing, but uh, and but but like the Call of Duty example is more of a better example, right? There's just no mm -hmm. way that Activision could create a mobile game like Call of Duty, like impossible. They don't even have a team, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And they don't even have right. the publishing, much less. So like that makes sense, right? <laughs> because there's no way mm -hmm. that's gonna happen otherwise, similar to the Diablo skew, you know? And they're building all this other crap down in Blizzard, but nothing's working, right? They'll do a Clash Royale game <laughs> or whatever else. It's all a fucking disaster, right? So that makes sense because they will take 20% or whatever in order to like, you know, just get that game out there, right? And and make their shareholders happy that they're doing something in mobile finally, right? So I, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah. But what I think what's egregious though is that 
you can't go direct in China. That's the what's egregious. Like even if you wanted to, you can't, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter how big you are, how strong you are, how much resources you have, that's impossible, right? So that that's what I'm trying to say. And then and then they take an insane share about from you, you know, regardless of what whether you're just publishing or co-developing or whatever in China. It's certainly yeah. impossible I mean, if you're trying to. I mean, it comes down to Chinese law. You can't really change it. Um, you have to go with a publisher. That's kind of the set thing. But what I would say is that you know China is a thirty-five plus billion dollar games market right now, and when you are getting into that, and you have uh, you know something like what Warcraft League of Legends, which really did succeed, even Supercell. I mean, I know they're bought by Tencent now, but because they have been working with Brawl Stars to get that, get that into China, which they did this year. And that's become like a top 20, top 30 game. Which, so, which game? Sorry. Brawl Stars. Oh, Brawl Stars, right. Okay. Supercell, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, again, I know it's owned by Tencent now, but the fact that they work to get it into China and localized it for the games market and have been pushing it there, you know, is... Daniel? is a, it, yeah? I know you know what you're talking about, but that that argument is exactly why what frustrates me the most, right? Where you say it's a $35 billion market of which I have no doubt, right? You've done a lot of work. I'm sure you know that. And then you list all these games that succeeded like 15 fucking years ago, right? When they didn't have any game development in China, right? Or very little, you know? And they were the f- first movers there. And then you use examples of games that come from fucking Chinese owned developers, right? There, I, 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 this is this is my thinking. Is that there is no opportunity in China for Western developers. Period. End of sentence. Right. I mean, that that just seems to be the way it is, and I don't really see any examples of current examples that make that argue differently. You know. So, um, am I am I crazy? Like, or am I off off base on this? Um, again, I mean, it, it's yes, it's very difficult, but it's not impossible. And there are examples of, of, of Japanese developers that have, they, I mean, that's not Western technically, but some Japanese developers have succeeded uh, with games and especially known IP. So it it is difficult, but it's just about having the right strategy and really understanding what the risks are and what the best way is to enter. Because again, like I said, if you're a small developer, just go on Steam. It's the easiest, cheapest way to get to game in China, you don't need to go through the approval process. Um, yes, there's always a risk to it, but you know that that's how a ton of games. I mean, that's how PUBG got its start in China. Mm. It sold 20 million copies on Steam just because it was on there, and people downloaded it. And then Tencent came in and took it to the next level with PUBG Mobile and everything. So, so, uh, so, guys, let's zoom out from from the uh, from the Great Wall of China and how how impossible it is to get in, and let's kind of turn the tables around. Um, how can Western companies compete against these Chinese developers that are clearly are in a very difficult market, very competitive market. They're making fantastic games with gigantic teams and now with even Western IPs and really pushing on the top grossing lists here in, in, in the Western market. So what kind of emotes can Western developers have against this, this Chinese armada that is coming in? Like, what do you have to do? Let's say, you know, you're a smaller studio and, and you hear that there's, well, Lilith is working on it. They just put in like 200, <laughs> you know, developers on it and they're working on this game. So you just might as well just roll over. They're coming in. 
like like what should you do as a, as a well, western developer well you and i are making well, you and i are game devs right yeah. so it's more but, of a question for us but we are we... entrepreneurs we're crazy you don't listen to entrepreneurs so we're overly positive optimistic we think that we can crack it and 90 percent of the time we fail so i'm talking to, to people who are more like realistic on this perspective mm-hmm. and looking from the side like what kind of advice would you give us actually to me and yang like what like you know or any or a mid-sized company or even a, a like a larger developer so daniel what do you, what, what do you think um so i think in general it's about you know hitting a few key points that i think chinese developers have been able to do fairly well uh the first one is just you know accessibility and onboarding to a game making sure that you know people are actually able to play this game on the platforms they want if you look at them like i mean i'm going to use genshin impact again it's a very good example you know that game was able to scale very well across not just mobile but pc and console and so it allowed people no matter where they were playing to you know, really jump in experience the game play around with it if they like it keep playing if not jump out um and there's always that opportunity to jump back in uh, in the future. One of the recent trends that I've seen recently is, uh, you know, there's this kind of growth in social and competitive games. So you look at like the Among Us or, or Four Guys of the World. Uh, a lot of them have also, similar games have been doing quite well in China where, you know, the, the whole, uh, especially with COVID-19 that's been happening right now, a lot of people are kind of turning from the real world to the virtual world as a way to stay connected with friends, play with friends online, experience game worlds together. And so getting that kind of social component in games, that competitive element, uh, making it fun, you know, that's certainly a direction to go in. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to kind of talk broadly about the entire, you know, it, it really depends on kind of what game you're developing and who it's for, but I think you know, if, if you look at the kind of current trends where everything's kind of going cross-platform, you're adding in cross-save, you're adding in, um, you know, much more social and fun experiences, that's certainly a direction I can see a lot of developers finding success with, um, even after, you know, four guys in the morning. Okay. Um, so what about Eric? Like, what, what's your what's your take on it? Like, what should Western companies do? So what, the what thing that comes into my... To compete in China or no to compete here in the Western markets like how can you compete oh. against the other uh, Chinese games that are coming in from from there with with giant resources um, I mean I guess you could talk about you know licensing IP licensing brands staying relevant from that perspective um, Obviously, all I mean, we still own the lion's share of the Western markets. I'm not really too worried about China just taking over per se. Although Genshin gets me a little bit worried about certain things that we've been talking about on the podcast, but um, but fundamentally, it's like you know, we are focused. I think if we, if we actually just completely continue to focus solely on the Western markets, I, I think we'll be competitive with anybody from any 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 other region. So. I'm not too worried about that, um, just in general, I guess. Mm. I mean, because at the end of the day, we make games for our Western market, right? We don't we don't try to make 
Japanese games for a Western market, right? <laughs> Some of these crazy, you know, mechanics that don't work here that, that failed over and over again. Mm -hmm. So stop making MOBAs, right? Like don't, don't, <laughs> don't think that MOBAs can be successful, like, cause they can't right on, on mobile. So <laughs> stop so, that. So Yang, without going to, uh, to details, what, what you're making, I know it's, it's, you know, it's, it's better not be a MOBA. It's fairly complicated. Oh, it's not MOBA. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I like, I like Eric's, I want to start by saying I like Eric's energy, right? He's, he's really concerned about these, these two markets and things like that. The problem is, the devs here, they don't share the same mentality that like Eric does. He doesn't feel the sense of urgency. He doesn't feel the sense of like unfairness that we don't get the same opportunities, let's say Chinese developers do in the West as we do in the East. They they kind of not, you know, not to knock on us, you know, because we are a Western developer. It's like we kind of live in this bubble. It's a little bit entitled. We also ask for a lot of things here. Whereas the other studios, I mean, Daniel's literally there. You can see how hungry these guys are, right? Like Lilith came in out of nowhere in the past four or five years. They have three big games, two, three, I think three. Uh, Rise of Kingdoms and Funeral are huge. Yes, you know they 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 make Tencent and Netties frantic uh, about how this competitors came out of nowhere in Shanghai. We have none of that in the U.S. Like name one big uh, game company since like 2010. You know before that was Riot, and then before that was really Blizzard, and obviously you have these like. Uh, ephemeral companies like Machine Zone and like Zynga and stuff. And I think Zynga uh, of the 2010s was the only one that came out really like alive and, and kicking still, right? And and you see, I think it's just like, how do we compete? It's like, like Eric says, we have to focus. Uh, so he's not worried, but like the people here really have to focus because they're not, they're not thinking about these issues while Chinese devs, Eastern devs are thinking about this, right? Look at all look at all the acquisitions that have happened recently, right? There's Peak, Graham. None of these are US. None of these are Western. They're not even like Western Europe. They're just straight up like, you know, well, like most of our Eastern Europe or, or even Middle East and, 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 and Asia, right? And, and Western developers still haven't woken up to the fact that they're getting clobbered, like literally getting wrecked. Like if we look at the MAA activity in the past, what, five years? Um, aside from, I guess, Bethesda saved us a little bit there, but they're like a decades old company. We're not really building for the future. And the problem is, like Eric says, Genshin Impact, I think, took three years to make, if not less. I'm just looking at what they've accomplished because I'm trying to do the same thing, right? Cross-platform, ubiquitous, social, cross-play, cross-save. Genshin Impact, the hurdles they have to jump through. I'm currently going through that process myself, getting a game on PlayStation, getting a game on Xbox, getting a game on Switch. That stuff requires like a team and, and months just to have that, let alone the localization. Sync, sync launches across the world in China and the West and on mobile and on PC. And not, not to mention all the other stuff, like just like things like a website or pre-registration for all these things. And it's like, we have like Western devs, like that's right, it's like four or five. We'll make a game. It'll, it'll take four to five years too. It'll do well. And we'll pray that it does well. And it's like, huh? It's like games is, is a funny business because it's there's a fine line between what's a hobby and a business, right? And I think for China, they've been taking it really seriously in terms of both hobby and business. And the West, it's like, just we're just kind of having fun. A lot of people are just kind of having fun, right? Um, and it's kind of time to like take that more seriously. So I agree with Eric. 
we have to focus. Hopefully we have to focus, but I think a lot of people should probably wake up. Um, a bit. Yang, you are a man after my own heart, dude. What is, what's going on? I'm the one that's supposedly <laughs> supposed to be talking this stuff. No, I, I, I misspoke because I do think this is a competitive threat. And we've been talking about it on the podcast with Genshin and stuff. If you can pull together a game like that in three years, that is cross-platform, you know, ticks all the freaking injuries and boxes, right? Like that's freaking scary, right? Because they can keep building those and bringing those out. And I think there is, it, it, it's a huge competitive threat because I think meanwhile, all the Western developers are worrying about crunch time and being total like pansies about it, right? And I, I understand that that's, that issue is real, but I'm just saying that I don't think such concerns exist in China and other parts of, of, of the world, right? No. And so- Right, exactly. And so I, I'm with you, I, I, I'm with you. But what I will say, and, I, and I'm going back and forth with this guy from Finland, Mr. your friend, Michael, or Mishka. Um, but uh, I will say that we have a lock, like there's the big publishers have a lock on a lot of things, including FIFA, NBA, you know, Grand Theft Auto, like all these big IPs are going nowhere, right? But new companies trying to compete in, in this space with new IP and new ideas and you know all the injuries and boxes, user-generated content, social, fucking cross-platform, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, you have new, there are new competitors in town and you, you better beware that these guys are not, these guys are working twice as hard and with like twice as many people, you know, and making things- Like five times you know, more people. In yeah, in half the time, right? So, or, or less, so. Yeah, beware, right? I mean, that, that is scary. And so, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, like, no, I agree with you. And it's like, for, as a developer, it's, it's fucking insane. Like when, like, when I wake up, I'm serious. When I wake up, I'm like, I'm not like, whoa, what are these companies doing that are in seed stage like us that raise four, five, six, seven? It's what the fuck are the people in China doing? Because look at what they did when PUBG came out. They had teams... Like they had 24 hour teams. They did like shifts of 12 hours, right? They would swap out, they would sleep in the van. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Ask Daniel. They would sleep in the office, they would swap out every 12 hours, they would pass on yeah. the code to everybody. Like, dude, a hundred person teams working on this 24 7 around the clock for three months to get out what PUBG Mobile or like Free Fire or the plethora of, of Netty's Battle Royales, which, you know, succeeded. You know, there's Rules of Survival, Knives mm -hmm. Out, and these are making billions. And then we have like the US, it's like, aside from like, you know, Tim Sweeney at Epic, nobody else even tried. Like Riot dabbled, Riot was actually ahead, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure if this is confirmed, but they were working on a Battle Royale before PUBG even came out. And it's just like, they have no sense of urgency there. It's just like, we're just gonna, I don't know. They, it, it's, when you think about guys like this, it's, you can't even compete, right? It's like, we, you, we have to just be more genius than them, which is a lot harder than just working hard, right? That, um, that's, a, so I, I was actually, so I was reading the blog of uh, Nan, uh, Nan Duan, who's Nan. He's a game lead uh, at Supercell in Shanghai. Yeah. And, I think this is a year or two ago because he was kind of quoting Supercell CEO's blog post, uh, like the one that he does every year. And he was talking about Brawl Stars and some other games. And he was talking about how hard Chinese developers work, the 996 and so forth. And it was it was interesting because he was it wasn't criticizing, but he was just stating the fact that that a game like Brawl Stars is considered more like a demo 
in in China because it's just so it's just so yeah. thin compared to what they're what they've you know accustomed to, and and that's right. basically the, uh, the what what we're competing against. It's not only that that the teams work super hard and are extremely quick, but they also make games that are so much more deeper, which means that their retention is far better and the LTV is much higher, which means that they can spend more and, and so forth. And they're cross-platform as well. So that also has an impact. And then, yeah, yeah. it's it's just a, it's a then, scary, scary proposition. That's what I was kind of, yeah. Yeah. I think and going then, back to... Go ahead, Daniel. Just going back to what Yang said um, about... Lilith and Rise of Kingdoms, AFK Arena. If you just go back five years ago, uh, these guys were being sued by Blizzard because they released a game called Soul Clash. And it was essentially World of Warcraft assets. It was a ripoff, right? Um, oh, yeah. And in the past five years, they've essentially become you know, an, an original IP developer. Uh, they're putting out really high quality games. And these are succeeding, not just in China, but globally. And I think that's one thing where China's really ahead, where they've gone from being, okay, this, this country for outsourcing for, you know, some of the big uh, AAA publishers to learning from maybe copying games a bit too much to now creating their own IP and uh, succeeding in various genres. And I think that that speed is, is, is a testament to sort of one, how far China's come, but two, where they can go in the future. And yeah, I certainly agree that it's a very competitive market now with with that in mind. So, yeah, and I, I guess the one last thing I want to say, and I keep trying to make this point, I don't know if I'm making it well, is that I agree with you. I think like Lilith and these guys that are creating, they're basically creating a better mousetrap on mobile, right? They're basically creating a better game than what Kabam did and then what Machine Zone did and building on that success, but they're still relatively copying in, in some ways, right? Copying and improving, right? Which is, you know, obviously sure. something all game developers do. But what scares me about Genshin <laughs> is that, yes, MMOs have existed before, but the way they did Genshin is kind of different than any other MMO that's done well in the West. Maybe there are a lot of similar ones in the East. I'm not really quite sure, but it was a really well-designed game with really deep systems, a really deep gotcha mechanic. And you know they they copied the the season pass as well, but that type of I would consider that more innovative than what like what Lilith and those guys have done with with thing. And so if we're in a new era in which these guys are creating AAA like new IPs that are innovating, that's a scary scary proposition, right? To me, um, in terms of. Sure them competing in the Western markets. And we've obviously we've never really seen a AAA. I mean, they've never brought a game to comp. I don't know any Chinese developer that's brought a game to console before, period. I can't think of any off the top of my head. So it's kind of a brave new world in, in some ways. Um, and, and also the fact that it came out of nowhere from someone who covers this industry pretty closely. I've never, never even heard of that game before. So, and maybe it's just, I'm not looking in the right spots and I got to talk to Mr. Daniel on a regular basis so he can school me, but um Anyway, uh, it's really interesting times. So, so let's talk about the brave new world in, in the last topic of this discussion. And that is, what does the brave new world look like in, in let's say, three to five years? Will we see more Chinese games on, on the Western market or less? Will the regulations come in and kind of protect our markets? Or will they just kind of let this let this kind of go forward where, where the Chinese can enter without any problems, but we can't go to that market? 
Like, what do you think, Eric? Of course, go ahead. <laughs> it's like it's like what I think should happen and what what I think will happen. You both. know, like there's two different <laughs> questions, right? Let's go so, both. I honestly, I, 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 I keep getting Trumpian on this stuff. I, I honestly think we should do tit for tat and basically require Western publishers to be involved with any games that are being developed by China or. And I don't, when I say this, I don't really believe it. I, I'm just like, it, to, to even the playing field, that would be what was required is that if you wanna publish a game in the West, you have to have, find a Western publisher to own and operate that game in the West, right? That would be fair, equitable, right? Is that gonna happen? No fucking way, right? That's never gonna happen, right? Because it's too complicated. There's too many countries. West is not one country. West is like a gazillion countries and all our countries can't agree on, you know, jack shit, right? So that's not gonna happen. So the fact is, so what I was gonna say and what I wrote was like, I don't think anything changes. Right. I think China continues to encroach and continues to build share within our market. They go after AAA, they go after where the hell they want and they acquire whatever the hell they want. Right. And I don't think that that changes. Right. But I think it's I, I don't know if I think it should or not, because, you know, that's not what we do. Like the West does not restrict. It does not like, um, you know, the government's not in the business of legislating where content is coming from. Um, but if we get more traction on this privacy thing, then anything that's built by Chinese developers is going to come into question. But, and again, I don't want to get too political, but I think if Biden wins, which may happen, um, I don't think, I don't think they're going to give a shit. I think they're just going to go back to the way it was before and let China do whatever the hell they want to do. Right. So, but then, I, then, then, but that, that's, that's really speculative at this point. I, I'd be interested, Daniel, do you think anything will change in the next three to five years? Or is it just, we're going to keep going and going? So, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? But ultimately, I think, you know, the current trends we're seeing right now where Chinese developers are going to look to try and scale games more, uh, you know, across multiple platforms to big, uh, large audiences. And I mean, you can just look at how Tencent is even investing in, you know, US studios now to create console and PC games. Nelly's is doing the same in Japan. Um, so there, there's a lot of focus on Chinese developers now trying to access markets where they haven't been as successful before. And obviously mobile is where they're extremely successful, but I think Genshin sort of said that, I mean, not to sound cliche, but you know, it's kind of like the Grand Theft Auto moment of, 2001-2003 where there's like a new standard for for these kind of triple a cross-platform games and I, you can also include fortnite in that as well but you know i think that's the direction where we're going to see chinese developers head in and whether they can succeed in three to five years i mean it remains to be seen but they're definitely going to try and conquer that market do you, do you see a pipeline of product coming like do you see like three or four AAA games coming to console and PC in the next few years from China? Daniel? Uh, to some extent, but uh, at least from what I'm aware, it, it's all sort of built on a mobile foundation. So okay. it, it's always going to try and cater to, and I, I mean, Genshin is the same, you know, it, it is a mobile game um, for the Asian markets. So it, it's kind of trying to build off that and create something that appeals not just to their current audience, but to a much broader audience in the West. 
Yang? Finish it off, uh, Yang. Bring it home. What do you think? Three to five years, apart from your game being super successful in every continent possible. <laughs> uh, course, and the course. moon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic in this just because we have to be right just because we're in in the in the in the mud kind of working on it but i think i mean there's going to be a lot more games coming i mean i think daniel uh i recently saw from daniel like this monkey king game that looks fantastic right like i forgot what's called like the black something right um and and it's there's just going to be more right right and it just looks amazing and it's by what, what did science make again they made like art of war Legion versus... Yeah, these, these guys are like um, the ex-Tencent developers who basically said, we don't, we don't want to work on free-to-play. Let's create our own premium game. And so mm -hmm. they essentially learned Unreal Engine 4. They've uh, put in a ton of hours into you know, creating this playable demo, essentially. And they just put it out right. there uh, you know, a couple months back. I, I mean, it looks better than anything that the West has made in, in the same time frame by, by quite a bit. Um, Sorry, I think what was the game? What was the game called? Uh, Daniel, could you repeat the name? Yeah, it's uh, Black Myth Wukong. I'll put it in the chat as well, so you've got it. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it looks like a Dark Soulsy-ish game, single player premium, but it looks amazing. It'll be definitely be on console and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is like there's so many of these studios that we don't even know about that are making these games, and I think one of the biggest games that most people know in the U.S. is like Archero, right? Which is by Happy, yeah. which is X like Cheetah, and but they haven't come out with the game since really. But I know personally that they have, they have a ton of games that they've just been like testing in other markets, and they're extremely high quality for 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 a mobile game, and these are games that uh, people here would deem launchable, right? And so we have this huge issue where I do think more people are going to, more Chinese games are going to hit the Western market and it's going to be really hard to compete. And it's similar to how, you know, China, like in movies, right? As an analogy, like US is the dominant force in Hollywood and, and, and filmmaking and are able to make these blockbuster hits. And China just kept on trying, kept on trying, wasn't able to compete. But it's the opposite is happening here. China's eating the cake in terms of what the West is, Nowadays, obviously, there's GTA, Blizzard, things like that, but they're accelerating way faster than we are for this next decade, you know. And and it's not a matter of like the content. So you'll always get games like Minecraft or Terraria and Stardew that's really ingenious, really new, and it's just gonna blow up, right? But they don't they don't get capitalized on, right? Like where's you know the guy who made Stardew is super content with what he's made. The guy who made the, the people who made Terraria. Uh, I mean, they haven't had sent anything since 10 years ago. Minecraft, which is another like a passion project that had product market fit, it only became this multi-billion dollar hit because my Microsoft took it and then really enhanced it, right? If you look at the numbers pre-acquisition to post-acquisition, Microsoft handled the scale of it, right? And the problem is here right now, I don't see many studios really handling growing scale. Whereas Genshin Impact, if you look at it, it's like, what are you worried about the most? Is it the pipeline that they're able to make these creative IPs, this gameplay? No, it's the fact that they can handle hundreds of millions of players across different platforms and they can build more games to do that. Whereas more things like on our side, it's like Fall Guys or even Among Us. It's like one-off hits, but like, how do you capitalize it on it? Like, did you build a platform off of Fall Guys, which is what everybody expects? 
All right. So Yang got shut down. Got cut he was off. talking. He was talking too yeah. much about the uh, about the scary Chinese market, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Black Myth. I'll tell you though, Black Myth is terrifying, dude. That game is pretty high production value. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now you know what Yang is making me even more worried. Yeah. Me <laughs> too. Stop this. And I'm an That's optimist. Why <laughs> so thank you guys for having this discussion. Now I'm worried. Now I feel like I need to go back to work, and it's like 8 p.m. Now I have to design everything all over again. <laughs> So thanks for getting worried <laughs> myself and every developer in the West. Uh, but this was a fantastic discussion and, and, and you guys really dove deep. Oh shit. Yang, you're back. Um, I'm back. So I'm just, I'll continue. No, no, no. Just thanking everybody for, for the discussion and leave, let's leave it at this note and let's get back to, to the topic and a little bit later when yeah. another Genshin guys, launches. Get, yeah. Get back to work, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's 8 p.m. I need to get back to, to work. So enough of these one hour podcasts. Uh, oh, this is part of my three hour lunch as a Western game CEO. So I'm just chilling. Well, you're going to get some hate mail, Yang. I'll tell you that much. No, I also need to, I need to prep for the election as well. So I need three, four to five days to, to work on the ballot. And I'm going to take some time off. What a I'm troll. just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was a fantastic discussion. Nobody's worried. Chinese market is very interesting. Let's keep it optimistic. Eric, easy to connect through through LinkedIn. Yang, great at World of Warships. Really miss you, buddy. Need some <laughs> need some help. So with Yang, you connect, talk about uh, China, talk about World of Warships. And Daniel um, from Nika Partners, absolutely amazing to have a specialist on the market. And we'll definitely want you back on the podcast to talk about um, the development in the Chinese market. Thank you guys and have a great <laughs> day and evening. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thanks, guys.